Lord, I thank you for your goodness and for your kindness and your mercy towards us. As we come into the season of uh, Thanksgiving, we know that we have much to be thankful for, that you have been good and faithful. You, you have shown your sweet love to us. But more than anything, Lord, you have saved us. You have opened our eyes to see what Christ has done on the cross, and you have saved us from your wrath. So I pray, Lord, as these people come up and they share their testimonies of how you saved them, that we all may be encouraged and in awe to see how you work and how your hand moves. Uh, and Lord, I also do pray for Pastor Caleb and Ashley and the family. I pray, Lord, that you may give them a speedy recovery, that they may be able to be uh, uh, at full health, that they may be able to you know, fully operate as they, um, as they always do, Lord. And I pray that you may strengthen them in this time of sickness. So please be with them. Please be with us. Help us to be attentive. Lord, to all those who come up, in your son's name I pray, amen. So the, pers the first person I will invite to come up is Alice, Alice Zhao, Zhao, I might be saying, I'm probably saying that wrong. Um, she has been a member of this church for over a year, and she is a blessing to our young adult group, and she also is on the music ministry, so please encourage her as she comes up. Okay. Uh, hello, brothers and sisters. My name is Alice Zhao, um, and I'm here to share my testimony of how God graciously redeemed me and gave me faith in Christ, and how he has sustained me and grows me to this day. So I hope it's a blessing and encouragement to you all. Um, so to start, I, I actually cannot recall the exact moment in which I was saved. And to tell the truth, sometimes when I hear the testimony of others who remember the exact day, time, and location, of when they were saved, I wonder if the fact that I cannot identify a specific moment invalidates my conversion. Um, but I know that God works in different ways in different people, and I lay my confidence not in myself or my memory, but in God's work and the fruit he produces in me. My life is still a testament to the miraculous work that God performed in my heart to change my priorities, my desires, and my actions from being self-centered to God-centered. Um, so I was young when I was saved, uh, before salvation, I did not appear to be a particularly disobedient child, at least not visibly, uh, but I definitely was following the course of this world. My parents didn't have to teach me to lie or be envious of my classmates or fight with my brother. Uh, it came as naturally as breathing. I didn't know who God was, and I only cared about what I could see with my eyes. Although I didn't steal or cheat on exams or commit other obvious sins, I was still guilty before God uh, for, the for the sins I committed in my heart, chief of which was pride. Uh, at some point, my mom started taking my younger brother and me to church uh, with her. We went to a few different churches throughout my young years, and I learned of God through VBS, uh, children classes, youth group, and sermons. Uh, my working definition of a Christian was someone who believes there is a God who is responsible for creation and who watches over everything, and, and someone who believes that there was a man named Jesus a long time ago who died for sins and rose again. Uh, over time, I did believe and affirm those things, uh, but again, I don't recall if there was a specific moment as I was uh, younger. But I remember recognizing uh, that sins were bad and that I needed God, uh, and I was baptized in seventh grade. I remember praying to God and trusting that he would answer. Uh, but looking back, it's also clear I still had a whole lot of immaturity and understanding and action, and God is still maturing me now. Um, 
So my parents have been separated since I was in sixth grade. And in ninth grade, my brother and I moved to live with uh, my dad after our mother passed away. Uh, and at that point, I stopped going to church as my father didn't attend church. I still attended a weekly high school club uh, called Brothers and Sisters in Christ. Uh, but Christ has ceased to be a priority in my life. Uh, although I do, still, I do remember at times the conviction of sin and my repenting in response uh, with the desire for God to work in me. Um, and during that time, I didn't explicitly I, reject God or blame him for my mother's death, uh, which was an attitude I think was God's preserving hand on my heart. But I did spend a lot of time in grief and anger towards myself and others during those years. And I kept many of these feelings hidden, especially from my family. And then going to college, I was reached out to by some, by some people in the Christian fellowships on campus. And during orientation events, I was invited to attend their large group gatherings um, and by, uh, sorry, large group gatherings on Friday nights. And the Lord began to stir up a desire for him again. And I started attending these large groups and Bible studies regularly, as well as uh, church on Sundays. At the end of one large group, there was an announcement slide about a Bible survey class taught by a senior, um, which said something along the lines of, do you want to know what the Bible is about? What does it teach? And I thought, well, yeah, actually, I, I want to know more. Um, I did not fully grasp the complexity and beauty of the Bible, uh, which is something I'm still growing in and will continue to for the rest of my life by God's grace. So I started attending this class, and the first lesson on the history was on the history of Israel, uh, basically a crash course in the Old Testament. And it truly moved me deeply, and I felt my heart burn within me, um, perhaps not dissimilar to the two men in Luke 24, who Jesus walked with and opened the scriptures to on the road to Emmaus. The Bible became more wonderful to me than it ever had before, and God became a little clearer, and I began to take my faith uh, much more seriously again. And despite the rocky relationship and wandering I had in high school, I believe that God's bringing me back to him in renewed vigor is only evidence of his irresistible grace and proof that nothing can snatch his sheep out of his hand. Since then, God has been continuously sanctifying and growing me, uh, when I was younger, I sought to follow God's commands mainly by praying, obeying my parents, and being kind to others in school. Uh, in college, God taught me more clearly that to be a mature Christian is much more than that and also means to direct my life's ambitions um, and desires to knowing and glorifying him. Uh, there's a quote I really like that says, The cross does not give us a minor shift or two with regard to a few of our ethical and moral and religious values. The cross radically disrupts the very center and citadel of your life, from self to Christ. Uh, but the process of sanctification has certainly not been easy. It's come with a lot of uncovering sins that I didn't recognize as such, uh, and seeing the ugliness of my selfishness and pride. It's come being face-to-face -face with my cowardliness and my lack of trust that God can really provide for everything I need or think that I need. But amidst it all, he has shown me his mercy. He has given me encouragement when I least expected it, opened doors for conversations and opportunities, uh, drawn me to rest in him through prayer and meditation, uh, and moved me to act with love and worship and awe. Uh, another quote I really like is, I may express all my complaints in one short sentence. I am a poor creature. And all my hopes and comforts may be summed up just as briefly by saying, I have a rich and gracious savior. Even though there are so many ways I fall short or feel inadequate, and even though there are so many times things go on that are overwhelming and stressful, and I don't understand uh, any of it sometimes, but God has been pleased to give me more peace and trust in him. I know that one day he will bring his good work in me to completion when Christ comes again. Um, so thank you for listening. I sincerely pray that I honored God, as this was my testament and praise to how he has drawn me to him and established a relationship with him. And if there's anyone here who is not a Christian, 
but I thank you especially for attending and listening. I'm convinced that there is a God who calls us to repent of our sins and turn to him for forgiveness and newness of life. And he gives us the power and wisdom to live as a new creation. So lay down your burdens and your pride and go to him today. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Alice. That was encouraging. So the next person who will share their testimony is Tom Drew. Uh, Tom and Kathy have been members at Gateway for a few months now, and it has been a blessing to get to know them. Uh, to, they invited us over their home one day, and it was great to be able to talk with them and speak with them and see how the Lord has saved them. So I'm glad that you guys are able to hear how, from his, you know, from his perspective, how that happened. So, brother, would you come? Good evening, church. I am humbled and blessed to stand before you tonight. I have so much to thank God for. This is how I was brought to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. My name is Tom Drew. I'm 68 years old. I am one of eight children. I have one brother, one sister and six brothers. My mom had seven children in under seven years, and the last one came four years later. <clears throat> I was raised in the Roman Catholic Church. I went, to Catholic, I went to Catholic school from kindergarten through third grade. Catholicism was deeply entrenched in my family. My dad's brother, a Franciscan monk, and his cousins were nuns and priests. From about five years old, I knew I had the love of God and, and Jesus Christ. Always feeling called to follow God, but got lost in my sinful ways. Under Catholicism, I was destined to hell and the best I could hope for was purgatory. My Catholic foundation that I was taught that the Bible was only to be read and interpreted by the priest. Boy, is that so far from the truth. My family was dysfunctional due to my father's alcoholism, anger, and physical abuse toward my mom and older brothers. At 16, I saw dad put his hands on my mom for the last time, and I physically stepped in. The officer who responded solidified my desire to become a police officer. Not enough time to tell that whole story, but dad had 17 years of sobriety when he died. When I was 17 years old, I had my first spiritual encounter in a Christian church, going home and telling my parents that I was gonna follow Jesus forever. I went away to college that September and lost my way. At 21, at, at, at 21 years old in 1975, I was married in the Roman Catholic Church by my Uncle Andy. The night before, I met with him for confession. In my confession, I told him that I knew, even at that time, that my ex and I were not equally yoked. He told me that then it was my job to lead by example. Fast forward 20 years, I'm the father of three sons, a police officer, and a severely damaged marriage. I had not regularly attended church for years. My uncle's words came back to me, lead by example. Again, I felt God's hands on my life, and I returned to the Catholic church attendance along with my two youngest sons. I was praying for God to restore my marriage. For the third time, we went back to marriage counseling, and six months in, my ex advised me and the counselor that she had made a decision. She was moving out, leaving the marriage, and giving me custody of our three boys who were 8, 11, and 18. It was to be a six-month trial separation. 
I believed in my vows and was praying for God to restore my marriage. <clears throat> After about a year of separation, I learned that my ex-wife had been having an affair for nearly two years. God freed me from that marriage. We don't always get what we pray for. Sometimes we get better. In the summer of 96, God placed Kathy and her children in my path. That would forever change my life and the direction of my faith. Kathy had been walking with the Lord for many years when we met. We were both going through our own struggles. Me, not finding fulfillment in the Catholic Church and was seeking more. After meeting with my parish priest, I realized that the relationship I desired with God was not going to be found in the Catholic Church for me. I wanted and needed more. I began to time, uh, attending a non-denominational Christian church and read, and read my Bible on a regular basis. Over the next few years and numerous hours of conversations with Kathy, I was finally feeling and understanding the gospel. One Sunday morning, listening to the message, I felt it was speaking directly to my heart. I realized that I had never truly surrendered to, re to Jesus. That morning, the floodgates opened Everything changed for me. My approach to my job as a police sergeant was radically changed. My actions and decisions were now based on what would Jesus do. Now, John 16, 316, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. It was then that I fully understood and soon after was water baptized. God further opened my eyes to the love that had grown between Kathy and I. And we were married in 2004. I retired after 33 years on the police department, and God has blessed us with seven grandchildren. We attended a local church for 16 years when we felt led to move, move on, seeking a church that preached the uncompromised word of God. Thankfully, a little over a year ago, we were led by God to our new home, Gateway Church. From my early Catholic beliefs on being saved by works to now a full love and understanding that I am saved by grace and grace alone. To God be the glory. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Um, so the next people that we have, it's a couple. Uh, we have Jeff and Diane Jansen. Uh, we would ask that they come up together. They have been a members of our church for, I think, almost half a year now. So I'm encouraged for, to see how the Lord has saved them. Hi, everyone. My name is Diana Jansen. This is Jeff. And we have two boys, Aiden and Graham. And we've been coming to Gateway for about a year and a half now. Thank you for... Uh, inviting us to share our testimony. When Pastor Caleb asked if we would give our testimonies at church, I have to be honest, it made me a little bit nervous. However, the more I thought about it, I realized how important it is to share our testimony because you never know which person or people need to hear it. So this is not about me, but about the saving grace of our Lord and Savior and his ability to change a heart. I was raised in a Roman Catholic home. I was baptized, had my first communion, <clears throat> attended weekly Saturday catechism classes during the school year, and even was confirmed in the Catholic Church. I honestly can't remember ever hearing the true gospel, 
during all of my years and experiences in the Catholic Church. My first exposure to the gospel was during my fourth grade year of elementary school. My father was convinced that his children needed to be educated in a private school, and my parents looked into sending us to a Catholic school. However, when my mother sat in a class at the local Catholic elementary school, she described it as not feeling Christian. She was not a believer at the time, but recently explained to me that she believes this was the beginning of her being led by the Holy Spirit. She heard of a private Christian school that was based out of a charismatic church and was convinced this would be an ideal place to send her children to be educated. I can personally say this was not the kind of place that excelled in educating their students, but it did allow me some experiences where I was exposed to the gospel. We found out later that many of the students that were attending this school were essentially kicked out of the public schools for their behavioral issues, so this created an interesting pool of students. I met some other kids who attended the youth group in the church, and one night I attended the group and heard the gospel. The youth pastor talked about needing to be saved, and I just remember wanting to know what being saved meant. I told my friend that I wanted to be saved, and she was just shocked that I wasn't. She asked the youth pastor's wife to lead me in a prayer of accepting Jesus into my heart, and that was the beginning of the process. I truly did have a desire to learn more about the Bible after that experience, but that seed was not being watered or nurtured in my home. My parents were still heavily involved in the Catholic Church at this point. I attended this school for two years, and then my parents put all of us back in the public schools. This was mostly due to my father losing his full-time job and my family needing to cut out extra costs. The next few years were a bit challenging for me personally because I was behind the other students due to the education that I had experienced at the Christian school. I didn't feel comfortable asking for help, and I just kept getting farther and farther behind. Things at home were also very stressful because my father was getting more and more depressed due to his job situation or lack thereof. I found myself spending a lot of time with friends that were experimenting with drinking, smoking, and doing drugs. Unfortunately, these were the activities that pretty much summed up my high school years, and I'm often so thankful to God that he preserved me while I was making these very risky life choices. When I was around 18 years old, I started to feel very depressed and knew that I needed to get some help. So I called a local counseling service and started talking with a therapist. This particular counselor just happened to be a Christian, and she offered to give me a gospel track. I remember one night I pulled out the gospel track, which was called The Four Spiritual Laws by Bill Bright, and I read it through and accepted the Lord into my life. It took me a couple years after that night to truly have a conviction of sin and a strong desire to repent of my sins. After attending a local community college, I moved away from home and transferred to a college that had InterVarsity and another Christian fellowship. The leaders in these organizations truly discipled me and helped me in my walk with the Lord. As this was all happening in my spiritual life, the Lord was also working in my younger sister's life and in my parents' lives. My mom and dad were both starting to attend a gospel-believing church, and my younger sister, who was also away at college, was very involved with Campus Crusade for Christ. Over our Christmas break, Campus Crusade for Christ had a conference for college students. 
I remember Pastor John Piper preaching a message about putting your trust in Christ through faith and that through grace alone he would save. I felt years of bad theology unraveling in my mind and getting straightened out through this powerful message. This conference just set my heart on fire for the Lord like I had never experienced before. It was after that year in college that my life was totally transformed by the Lord. I just remember thanking the Lord so much for dying on the cross for me and offering me forgiveness. The Lord also blessed me with wonderful times with my family after our conversions. It reminds me of Malachi 4.6, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. My father had such a love and commitment to his children after he trusted in the Lord, and I was so thankful for this miracle. The Lord has been so faithful to me and my family, even though we don't deserve any of it. Thank you, church. I hope you all have a very blessed Thanksgiving. Hello, church. Um, as Diana said, my name is Jeff, and it's an honor to stand before you today, and I'm just thankful for the opportunity and the trust to share my story here um, for um, family. Um, first, let me say a little bit about how I came to know the Lord. Um, I grew up in a Christian home, went to a Christian church every Sunday, attended a Christian school, and I really can't remember a time when I didn't know Jesus. However, I have a distinct memory in my head of, of sitting there in Sunday school, going through a, a checklist in my head, you know, Jesus is God's son, Jesus died on a cross, I'm a sinner, check, check, check. And, you know, believing in my heart and confessing with my mouth and saying that prayer, and it no longer became about me being part of a Christian family, but it became a personal thing. And from that moment forward, it was mine. It was, I was a Christian and I belonged and was part of that, um, the church, and I was saved. Um, and I share this because some of us don't have, um, we have less than dramatic conversions, but I think those stories still matter, and it's an encouragement to be consistent in your prayers and in um, the instruction to your children that the faithfulness um, that you exhibit, especially as parents, does make a difference in your kids' lives. And, uh, and I'm so thankful for my parents and for my church um, that I was put into that position. Um, I could sort of drop the mic there and, and move on, but um, uh, the, I think it would leave out a, a large portion of a, a pretty important part of my life. And, and that goes back to when I was, was about 10 years old and I started experiencing some really odd stomach cramps. Um, nothing, I thought, but uh, I asked my mom about the symptoms anyway, and it was decided that it would be um, probably good to set up some testing. And, and at 10 years old and several decades ago, um, upper GIs, blood work, colonoscopies, um, all sorts of good stuff. Not, not fun, uh, not fun at any age. Um, but after all that, it turned out that my nothing stomach cramps were actually ulcerative colitis. Um, it sounded scary, but I really wasn't worried. What's a little stomach cramping? Um, they put me on a maintenance medication which uh, promptly turned into an extreme allergic reaction. I found myself in a bathtub with ice water trying to bring down my 105 temperature, so that didn't work. Um, over the years, um, it kept getting worse. Uh, every flare-up was more debilitating and, and worse than the last. 
Um, I was even put on an experimental medication which required close monitoring. I used to have a, a calendar with right arm, left arm, and I became, in terms of blood tests, I became on a first name basis with all the techs at Quest Labs, um, even sent them Christmas cards. Um, that medication didn't really give me much help or relief and um, often was placed on high doses of steroids, which did offer some temporary relief, but came with their own side effects, including a, a bout with diabetes and all sorts of good stuff. Um, and through all this, I prayed. I prayed a lot. My family prayed. My church prayed. Perfect strangers prayed. And I struggled. Was it that my faith wasn't big enough? Was it just not the right timing? If it wasn't a miracle, perhaps some new drug or treatment was the answer. But I had a good feeling that everything was going to be okay. It was going to work out. Um, so let me take a, a slight break in my story. And you know those movies or TV shows where there's a ticking time bomb and the hero needs to defuse it? You know, 10, 9, 8, remove the lid, 7, 6, 5, which wire? The red one, the red one. Five, four, three, snip it, snip it. Bomb deactivated, disaster averted, everyone celebrates, it's all good. And that was how my story was supposed to end. You know, God would show up in the nick of time and everything would work out somehow. We could all look back at the experience and say, wow, how faithful is God? Um, but that's not what happened. Um, the bomb went off and um, I had to have surgery. Um, major surgery, two operations. They removed my entire large intestines. I spent weeks in the hospital, months recovering. And that was just not the way it was supposed to end. Um, you know, where was God in all this? What was the point, right? And um, there's an old song, not that old, but the lyrics go um, something like this. Let the 11th hour quickly pass me by. I'll find you when I think I'm out of time. And... Um, you know, the 11th hour is the last minute, and the last minute came and went, um, at least that's what I thought. And when you're at the end of your rope and the rope slips out of your hand, <laughs> um, that's where God does his most transformative work. And the things that I learned from those 10 years of, of sickness and the surgery influenced my perspective on God, on life, on the church, on what Jesus has, has really done for me. And I only get five minutes to share, so I'll sort of um, spare you and just go for two quick ones. And the first one is that your circumstances are not a test or a measure of God's will and love for you. Um, and if you find yourself in green pastures beside still waters or straining at the oars where the waves are big and the wind is against you, Know that he is good, and he is with you, and he has a plan for your life. Um, and number two, that my um, circumstances, I believe, were an example of God's grace on my life. Um, if you're wrestling with God, expect a blessing and a limp. Um, and I'm referring to the story of Jacob wrestling with God in Genesis. And in relation I came across a quote, um, it says, but the grace that grabbed a hold of Jacob is a rough and tumble kind of grace that pursues us and wrestles us to the ground, locking us in its wounding hold. I'm talking about grace that comes from 
comes in the form of unwelcome intrusion in life, disruptions, struggles, and disappointments, things that blindside us and knock us flat on our back, fighting for our life. This is a grace that hurts, a grace that leaves us limp, but it also leaves us blessed. And while I don't know the reasons on this side of heaven for my illness, I know that God was holding on tight to me during that time of my life. He had plans for me better than anything I could have imagined and I'm fairly confident he steered me clear of some pits that I would have fallen into otherwise. And I can say confidently that I am blessed. You've met my wife and my kids, so I know I am blessed. Romans 8:28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. And so even when things seem overwhelming and everything is falling apart, I know that the maker of the universe is writing my story and how thankful I am that he's holding the pen and not me. Where all this goes, I, I'm not sure. I'm going to put one foot in front of another and know that the author and the finisher is in charge of it. And I'm so thankful for that. Amen. So our next speaker is uh, our brother, Luke Palamon. Uh, I am really encouraged by this brother, and I can say that he is probably one of the best greeters that I have. I know that when he is back there, I have nothing to worry about. So brother, if you will come, please share your testimony with us. Praise the Lord, everyone. So thankful to be here, so humble to have a chance to share my testimony. All of the other testimonies that I've heard have been extremely uh, encouraging, um, and to God be the glory. In general, I grew up uh, going to the church. Uh, I considered myself a good kid, never really got into any major trouble, uh, except that time when um, I decided to uh, disobeyed my parents uh, and went to play Street Fighter II, the arcade, uh, in a bodega in Queens Village. Uh, this wasn't too far from where I was living. Uh, at that time, they added new characters like E Honda and Zangief, and I just wanted to learn how to play with those guys. Uh, that was my favorite game, but when I lost track of time, my dad went looking for me, and when he found me, I really got what I deserved that evening. My view on life was simple. Go to school, go home, play outside, and go to church. This was in the 90s, so we didn't have computers back then. As a teenager, I started getting more involved in the church. We were attending in Queens Village and decided to participate in many activities developed for the youth there. It was a new experience for me to play a role in these activities because I had a chance to see what it was like to participate, but I didn't yet understand why I was doing it. I simply saw it as something cool to do and something that would keep me out of trouble, especially as a latchkey kid responsible for taking care of myself and my sister. Church was something I looked forward to. It was a place where I saw familiar faces and sang along happily with the choir when they were part of the program. It was really fun, but at that time, it was just that. It was just fun and a fun place for me to be. 
when we moved to Long Island, uh, my mom was invited to attend another church in St. Albans, Queens, where we later attended. I was college-bound now, and going to church was just part of my regular routine. I was fully involved with the youth group, and I really became good at working to make sure everything was in order and ensuring that I completed what my responsibilities were. One year, I took pride in the fact that I never missed one Sunday and said to myself, boy, I'm really good. I was a hard worker in church, and despite hearing a lot about the gospel, I knew nothing about it, what it meant and what, it imp what its importance was. I was convinced uh, that hard work in the church was what made you a safe person. After all, I wasn't a bad person. I never hurt anyone or committed a crime. I marked myself as good to go, and if I keep it up, God will be so proud of me and everything will be great. But little did I understand. Time went on, and in 2003, I graduated college and earned my bachelor's degree. I was very lucky to be offered a full-time job right out of college, and things were looking really good. As I got older and started asking more questions about life, I really started to have personal challenges and didn't really know um, how to handle them. I was looking to the things of the world to help me resolve them, like self-help books and texts that help you find purpose in life. When I went to church, I was searching for something to fill my void, and I started to feel that what I was doing wasn't enough. I started thinking that perhaps I wasn't working hard enough. I felt that I had to just work through it, but I didn't realize, what I didn't realize is I could only sustain that facade for only so long. In 2004, I decided to go back to school and earn my master's degree, and during that time, I met my wife. When I graduated, I was fortunate to find another job in the city. It was a very good job and I was doing very well. We were living in Oakland Gardens, Queens at that time and I was no longer at the church I was attending in St. Albans, Queens and decided to attend another church in Brooklyn on and off. However, I really wasn't focused on going to church anymore and I didn't even know why I should go. I started thinking maybe I don't really need to go to church even, even though perhaps I can just attend church from home or just watch a service on TV. Despite doing what I thought was okay with work and feeling like I had things under control, I felt like my life was missing something and I was not at peace. I decided to look for another church and this time I wanted to make sure I was at a place that would make me feel better. During my search for a new church, my wife asked her coworker what church she attended, and she recommended that I come to visit North Shore Baptist Church in Bayside, Queens. I searched uh, for that church online and liked what I heard and decided to go that Sunday. From the first time I attended, I really felt like this was a good place to be. That was the first church among my search where everyone said hello to me and made me feel very comfortable. I said to myself, I felt like I got back, I said to myself, I felt like I could get back on track here and get uh, back to my usual routine. As I continued to attend a North Shore, I noticed a lot of focus on Jesus Christ and God's sovereignty. There was a pure focus on the word of God, but I didn't make anything of it. 
I still didn't really understand the gospel truly and decided to pursue membership anyway and remember saying to myself, I'm just a little rusty, but I'll breeze through the process. But by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, I was not going to experience any normal membership process. In fact, this was the beginning of a major change in my life spiritually. During the membership process, I was asked to write uh, my testimony and didn't even know what to write. I felt completely stuck, but I managed to put something on paper and submitted it. When I met with the elders, it was clear that my understanding of the gospel was not correct and I was truly not saved. I remember saying, I was just looking for a way to get better and I need to improve. It was at that point that I ministered I was ministered by each of the elders, and Harry Fujiwara gave me a book titled, What is the Gospel? by Greg Gilbert, which really explained why the what the gospel is and why it's, it's called the good news. After reading that book, I did a lot of reflecting, and on, on Sunday, I actually remember the date, <laughs> on Sunday, June 7th, 2015, I even remember the time, 11 a.m. service, everything came together for me. I was indeed saved that day. Every song I sang, the reading, the sermon made complete sense to me and pointed to Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit touched my heart and opened my spiritual eyes that day. I was very quiet that day as I was doing a lot of reflecting. From that point onward, a feeling of calmness and joy filled my heart. And when I realized what happened, I requested that I rewrite my testimony and realized that I was depending on my works and effort to seek salvation. Since being saved, my life has changed drastically. Now that I know who my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is, I now know who I can put all my trust in. Life doesn't get any easier, but through each challenge, I know that I can count on the Lord for strength and perseverance. Without Christ, I realize that I'm truly nothing, but with him, all things are possible. I'm learning a lot about myself after being saved, but as I continue to trust in the Lord, I'm confident in what he can do with me and my family. And I just wanted to end off with uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away Behold, the new has come. Praise God for that. Thank you, brother. Uh, so the next person we have coming up is Rita Katigno. Um Now, how long have you guys been a member at Gateway? Like more than a decade, right? It's been decades. Like three decades. Three decades. Okay, I was way off. That is, yeah, I'm excited to see how the Lord takes. Well, the Lord worked in me, and it's been a long process, so I'm going to uh, just tell you, I may go over my time here, but uh, I was raised in a loving home in the Bronx with my parents, two sisters, and many family members living in the area, and my mom used to take us to the Catholic Church on most Sundays and on holidays, so from a young age, I had a head knowledge of Jesus Christ. I knew when he was born, when he died, that he rose again. I even knew that he died for my sins. But I was also taught 
that I needed to do good works in order to get into heaven. I didn't understand that even though doing those good works may have made me a better person, um, it wouldn't secure my place in heaven. At some point, I really don't remember when or who even gave it to me, but I received a copy of the Good News Gospel. And I brought it home and started reading it, but I still really didn't understand it. But I had this love for God that was working in my heart. And actually, at the age of 12, I remember telling a priest that I wanted to become a nun. So, but it was during my junior high years that various things happened to me that made me very angry with humanity and caused me to pull away from God. I was bullied very much in school at that age. I was mugged by a group of upperclassmen, and I was molested at a STOP program that I was volunteering at by someone who was just a few years older than I was. Then we moved to Massapequa in the middle of my ninth grade, and things of this world really started to take a hold of me. I won't get into all the details of my regrets, but the adage of sex, drugs, and rock and roll kind of fit there. Um, I was no longer reading God's word or following him. And it wasn't until I was married and had a child of my own that I went back to the Catholic Church. I thought it was important to raise my kids in the faith. I attended Holy Family right here in Hicksville, where both my kids were baptized. When my daughter Nicole was three, I began looking for a nursery school for her. And a neighbor of mine, Nancy Benyak, whom most of you would know, told me about LBC's nursery school now Gateway Church Nursery School. I visited it and I loved it and so my daughter attended. And during drop-off and pick-up times, I got to meet some of the other moms. The nursery school is such an important part of bringing people to Christ, I feel. Um, a few of the moms were actually church members, Kathy Sutton and Mary Ann Eisman being some. And they knew each other well. And what I found interesting was I would hear them talking to each other, and they'd be commenting about events going on at the church, and, hey, are you going, and is your husband going? And I thought, wow, that's so nice. I've been attending the same church for years. I sit in the same pew. I shake hands with the people around me, offering them, you know, Christ be with you and peace be with you. I didn't know any of them. I didn't even know their names. Excuse me. Um, but even through that, I kept going back to the Catholic Church. Occasionally, though, I would come to a uh, LBC service. It wasn't until Nicole was four years old, though, that things really started to change. I had five members of my family and some friends, including my dad, who were dealing with various types of cancer. Then one day, just before picking Nicole up, I got terrible news that my cousin's nephew, who was only 14 years old at the time, had succumbed to his battle with brain cancer. I arrived at the school visibly upset. The teacher at the time, Mr. Wally, took me inside. The staff, which included Barbara Wanacelia and Ms. Joan Hickman, uh, took my kids to the side and played with them so that I could talk to Mr. Wally. I told him what was going on. He consoled me and prayed with me, which I appreciated. But then he asked me a question. He asked me where I think I will go when I die. My response was, well, I hope I'm good enough to get into heaven. 
he kind of rolled his eyes and nodded and said, do me a favor, ask me the same question back. And I did. And I thought his response of, well, I'm going to heaven, was kind of arrogant. And I, and I told him so. But then he explained the gospel to me, the bad news of being a sinner in need of a savior. There was nothing I could do to get myself into heaven, that there were no good works that were ever going to be good enough to get me in, but there was good news. We talked about Jesus dying on the cross, that his work on the cross not only paid for my sins, but covered me in his righteousness. This was the same good news that I had read about in that book a while back, but just hadn't understood. Now it was starting to make sense. Walter set me up with a mentor, someone to do a Bible study with to help me understand what I read, someone to encourage me. And that was the beginning of my journey. But it wasn't until months later that I finally surrendered to God. I was having one of those crazy days, actually a crazy week, and um, I, was on, I was on my knees in the floor in the bathroom looking for my contact that had fell out of my eye. I had my son James, who was a toddler, crying. I didn't know why, but he was in the bathroom with me, and I'm trying to make sure he's not stepping on my contact. And my daughter screaming that it was time to go to school and she was going to be late. I remember starting to cry myself on the floor saying, Lord, okay, I give up. I surrender. I can't do this on my my own. I need your help. You said in your word that you would never leave me or forsake me. I know that I'm a sinner in need of grace and forgiveness. I I surrender my life to you. Please help me. As I wiped my eyes and got up, all of a sudden, my vision comes back into focus, and I began to cry again. I felt like the blind man in the Bible who had regained his sight. Jesus had healed. I had also come to realize that even though I had walked away from God many years ago, he hadn't walked away from me. I think of John 10, 28, and 29. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one will be able to snatch them out of my hands. Since surrendering my life to God, I have gone through some great times and some rough times. In 2009, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and had a lumpectomy and radiation. Then in 2016, I was diagnosed again with breast cancer, but a different type and in the other breast. My surgery was at the end of January 2017, which is the whole story in itself, but the surgery was over 10 hours. And afterwards, I had some complications, which included getting the shingles, and it placed me back in the hospital for two days. One night after being home from the hospital, I couldn't sleep. The pain was so bad, and I had already taken my medication and didn't want to take any more. As I cried, the pain became worse. So I put on some Christian music knowing that it would soothe me. But what I didn't know was that through that music, God would be speaking to me. I would hear words like, he hears me when I call. That he would carry my burdens on his shoulders. That my soul could rest in his embrace. I was so excited, I started writing down everything that I heard so that I could share it. Finally, around 2 or 3 in the morning, I heard God say, Rita, did you hear me? And I said, yeah, thank you. And he said, okay, now would you turn off the music and go to sleep, please? 
And I did. I turned off the music, and I was not only able to sleep through the night, but I slept through most of the morning. So I tell you this because I want you to see that God is good. Being a Christian doesn't mean that we'll never go through bad times or rough times, but God can use those to draw us closer to him, and we can use our stories to help and encourage others. I know what God has done for me, so on this Thanksgiving, I'm thankful for the many blessings of family, friends, good health, and a loving church body. I'm thankful that I am a chosen child of God. I'm thankful for his peace and that I can trust him to never leave my side. I'm thankful for the word of God, but mostly I'm thankful for the eternal security I have based solely on Jesus' work on the cross. All glory, honor, and praise be to God. Amen. It's so our last, uh, the two last people are a, another couple, uh, James and Kimberly Lee. They have been members for a few years as well. Um, so if you guys would want to come up. Hey, you guys. How are you? Okay, I'm just going to read. Um, I grew up in church all the way from children's ministry to youth group. Sorry. Church picnics, revivals, and etc. And every single time without fail, after experiencing the highs of revivals and retreats, I would default back to a settled pattern of sin soon after without any motivation or desire for repentance. I really thought I knew and believed the gospel, but I know now that I only knew of the gospel but never believed it. Hebrews 10.26, the Lord says, For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, and this was me. I could care less about my sins. I was a flippant rebel against the holy, holy God. And all those church experiences I thought were such uh, amazing watershed moments in my faith were nothing more than shallow emotions-driven sentimentalism wrapped in just enough church culture to give it the facade of genuine belief. The Lord didn't open. The, the, the Lord um, finally opened my eyes to my sin nature and depravity. Didn't open my eyes to my sin nature and depravity until 2017 when he led me to one of Paul Washer's sermons on Matthew 7, which is perhaps one of the most terrifying parts in the Bible, the uh, I Never Knew You passage. Um, seven, chapter 7, 21 through 23, the Lord says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. This is when I realized that on my day of judgment, he would surely tell me to depart from him, for I too was a worker of lawlessness. At the same time, God also led me to James 2.19, where he says, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. However, unlike even the demons, I did not shudder. I did not tremble. 
I did not fear our Lord. The Lord saved me when he allowed the cross to come into full focus and led me to that night in the Garden of Gethsemane in Matthew 26, where Jesus, his sinless son, fell on his face and prayed, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will, only to be met with deafening silence from his father. As a father myself, rejecting any of my children this way under such a circumstance would shatter me, but to realize that God, who breathed out the universe with mere spoken words, who sanctions every single breath I take, that he would do that to his one and only child, whom he loved since eternity, all to save a rebel like me from his just wrath, a wrath that I deserve. This shocked me finally into fearful adoration and submission as I finally witnessed his holiness. I now live for Christ, my King, and long for the day when the Father, for my judgment, will render me not guilty in final glory and unite me to him for all eternity. Colossians 1, 21-23, And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. To God be the glory. Amen. Hi, guys. Um, I just want to start by saying that not a day goes by um, where James and I don't thank God for this church. He's so gracious and kind. Okay. Just gonna have to hold him. Here we go. Um, I said the sinner's prayer and believed I was a Christian when I was 18. I had been attending a church for over 20 years, attended all the small groups, and even went on several missions trips, all with good intentions. Two years ago, I realized that I was a false convert and was falsely baptized in college. When we first got married in 2010, we hit a big road bump. Um, James was diagnosed with severe illness. I won't go into detail because there are young ears in the audience tonight. Every ounce of me screamed injustice and that I deserved better. I was a good person, good, and I did good things. This was not what I had signed up for, and I wanted out. Pride ran deep in my bones. I believed I was saved by my own righteousness, and I desired all the accolades from anyone who would sympathize with what I was going through. Luke 6.49 says, but the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. That was me. Fast forward nine years, James began to question his assurance of salvation and prompted me with Matthew 7. He asked me one day, would, would Jesus say he knew you if you were before him at judgment? I answered with an obvious, of course, but deep down, that question scared me, and I knew the answer was no. Praise God for that. 
coincidentally, although we all know that there are no coincidences with God. The idea of pulling our children from public school to homeschool was brought up. James encouraged me to pray while reading the word. Such a bizarre idea. This was the first time I had ever been introduced to looking at the Bible when making a decision. How insane is that? It was in reading Isaiah 41.10 where God gave me such peace to leave my job to homeschool. It says, fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Everyone we knew advised against homeschooling. And this was before COVID hit and made it kind of cool and normal. But James encouraged me to be obedient to this conviction. Praise God for spouses who believe. Um, What a gift of grace is the living word of God. I started a Bible reading plan, and it was in reading through the Gospels that I experienced God's grace pour over me while we began our homeschooling journey. As I grew to know Jesus, the wretchedness of my sin was revealed as a wife, a mother, and daughter. I, I was not and had not been obedient to God's commands for me as a wife. The more I dwelled in the word, the clearer everything became. Everything was black and white. I found myself delighting in his word and thirsting for more as I repented and mourned over my sins past and present. Romans 3, 11 to 12 says, None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. And while I am still a sinner who deserves death, I have this gift of grace that my soul is saved and sin no longer has dominion over me. Praise him forever. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. Um, I genuinely say this. I was very encouraged with all the testimonies that were given uh, to see how the Lord has saved those around us, of how amazing grace has reached their lives. So if you, be, if you have been blessed, please, I encourage you to go to these people, tell them that you have been encouraged, tell them what, um, what stood out to you, and uh, share your testimony with them as well if you can. So we'll sing two more songs. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Uh, Thank you for coming, and I'll leave it to Rob.